Hello, welcome to my Camino the Podcast. I'm Dan Mullins. This is a podcast about the Camino de Santiago or the Way of St. James. James was one of Christ's apostles, a humble fisherman, and he hung up his nets to follow in Christ's footsteps. He travelled to Iberia after Jesus was crucified to spread his mentor's message. And pilgrims who walk the Camino de Santiago arrive at the majestic cathedral in the Spanish city of Santiago de Compostela, or St. James under a field of stars. The remains of St. James are interred in a casket beneath the cathedral. Approaching the well-worn kneeler to pay my respects in 2016 on my 50th birthday, I was struck by two things. The first was the small silver engraved casket. Here, this giant of a man in a small silver box. Secondly, I wondered, am I actually just a few feet from the remains of one of the most significant people in the history of mankind? I suppose I was. This man broke bread with Jesus Christ. I broke bread with Jesus Christ just a few hours later at the pilgrim mass in the cathedral. I held my late father's prayer book in my hand and Dad had peeled back the pages to pray as a boy. Here I was, holding his wishes, his dreams, his blessings, his intentions, his rosary in my hand. I hoped for a future and longed for my past. I'm a lifelong Catholic. I copied lines from Gentleman Junior at St. Joseph's College in Toowoomba in the 1970s. I shook with fear as the congregation sang, Sometimes it causes me to tremble at the Stations of the Cross on Good Friday. I eat fish on Fridays. And in the early 2000s, I did the readings at St. Christopher's Cathedral in Australia's capital, Canberra. I tried as best I could to deliver the scripture in the most reverent way, I studied the Reader's Guide, and I wanted the congregation to get something out of it. I also remember working in radio in Goulburn in the year 2000. Goulburn is Australia's first inland city. It was deemed a city because it had a cathedral, not a church, a cathedral. In actual fact, it had two. It's home to about 30,000 people. And I ended up in Goulburn reading the news at the local radio station, 1368-2GN. I can still remember saying it. Hits and memories, 1368-2GN. And I loved my time in Goulburn. The people of regional New South Wales are like rural people everywhere. They share. They care. They are like pilgrims. They like to see you happy. Well, the auxiliary bishop in Goulburn and Canberra while I was there was a much-loved man, someone who wasn't afraid to speak his mind, who wanted to challenge the establishment, someone who shared and cared, a pilgrim. His name is Pat Power. Pope Francis said in 2016, Pilgrimage is a symbol of life. It makes us think of life as walking, as a path. If a person does not walk, but instead stays still, this is not useful. It accomplishes nothing. Think of water. When water is not in the river, it does not course, but instead remains still and stagnates. A soul that does not walk in life doing good, doing many things that one must do for society to assist others, or who does not walk through life seeking God and inspiration from the Holy Spirit, is a soul that finishes in mediocrity and in spiritual poverty. Please, he said. Do not stand still in life. Pat Power is a priest, a pilgrim, to his flock, his father Pat. He's on the line. Welcome, pilgrim. 
Thanks very much, Dan. I'm very humbled by that uh, wonderful introduction. I think maybe what I've got to say from now on might be a little bit mundane after all of that. But, uh, I'm, ve- I'm very inspired by it all, Dan. So thank you for the invitation to be with you today. Let, um, me, let me begin by asking you, you've been a leader, a shepherd uh, through your adult life. Have you always been a pilgrim? I think I've always had that notion, you know, without being able to put it into those words. <clears throat> I think I've always had that uh, that that pilgrim attitude, in the sense of um, knowing that that um, things just don't stand still at all. And, and uh, uh, as as a boy, I was uh, um, a fairly conservative boy, I've got to say, but. Um, uh, I had a, a beautiful mother and and, um, uh, and a very enterprising father, you know, who was always reaching out to others and and and, uh, and he was in this Minster de Paul society and and uh, he'd bring home a lot of stray sheep and 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 mum would look after them as she looked after us five children and uh, so I think I've always had that 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 notion of um, uh, of uh, uh, of, of, of travel and not not well, I haven't done a lot of travelling actually, but in in terms of, 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 of I wouldn't have thought of it in terms of pilgrimage mm. um, as a youngster. But when I look back on my life, I think I have been someone that's uh, certainly done that, and certainly someone that's been a, a searcher and, and a questioner. Um, so that's I think been very much part of my life, you know, particularly as a as a priest and as a bishop. Cast your mind back to when you first heard about the Camino. Can you remember? I think uh, I forget my friend Geraldine, whom I speak about in in, in the mm. account that I, I wrote. She she and I were both interested in it, and I think it was just um, seeing some of those early documentaries that that came out, and uh, that's what what sparked the uh, sparked the interest in it. And uh, and of course, once you. Uh, it was eventually in um, uh, 2003 that um, Geraldine and I uh, went went um, uh, to, to Spain and, and uh, we walked then from um, Leon uh, to uh, Santiago de Compostela. Uh, and, uh, of course, you hear about – and that, that's 300 kilometres. Uh, and then again in 2003 uh, – in, in 2008 – uh, five years later, uh, I did it uh, on my own, and, and that time I went from um, Pamplona. Uh, you hear the running of the bulls. Mm. Fortunately, they weren't running the bulls when, <laughs> when I was there. But um, yeah, so it, it was a great experience, and I'm you know be happy to talk a bit more about that as we go. Yeah. I think you might have mentioned that um, a little book I put out in 2015. I've got a couple of chapters there on the. Uh, the journey to Santiago de Compostela. But once you've done it, of course, you can't get enough of it. And, and there's so many, um, so many different uh, uh, articles and, and, and uh, uh, of course, the, that wonderful film, The Way, that Martin Sheen uh, uh, put out, that, that gave great uh, publicity for it. And even between <clears throat> 2003 and... and um, in uh, 2008, in that five years, I saw how much the whole thing had become so much more, uh, so much more popular, and uh, I think it, it goes on. Yeah. So I saw that um, over Easter uh, this year, I saw the uh, 
there was a little three-part documentary with a, an Anglican vicar called Kate Botley who works for the uh, BBC, and I think there were about eight people on that pilgrimage, and a very motley group. But to my mind, it, 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 it very accurately uh, reflected a lot of what I experienced on on, on each of the uh, on each of the uh, pilgrimages that I went on in two thousand and three and two thousand and eight. Yeah. Were you a researcher? What I call a spreadsheet pilgrim? Did you do a lot of planning, or did you just sort of see how the day would pan out? I'm, I've got to confess, Dan, that I'm I'm not a terribly organised person. Oh, obviously, you need you need to do a bit of planning. I I for each of them, I had um, those guides put out. I think by uh, the St James. Um, oh, the confraternity from London. Yeah, anyhow, but okay, a fairly easy little thing to carry along with me, and uh, I found they they were very very helpful. Just gave you a little bit of a idea of distances and, and what to expect and, and yeah, rather certainly you don't want to take a, a suitcase of <clears throat> books with you. But even in advance, I, I'm i a bit lazy that way, I must say. I, I didn't plan too much, but um, uh, but obviously there's the essentials you, you need to uh, plan for. But uh, yeah, no, in, in many ways, I, I took it as it came and, uh, yeah. It's fantastic to be able to do that um, from, and I, I imagine, and in your book you say, you tell of some of the, the things you discovered along the way. And I actually yeah. met you a couple of times when I was in Goulburn and later doing the readings at St. Christopher's in Canberra. I don't expect you to remember me, but I just wondered, what did you learn about yourself walking the Camino? Well, I think uh, uh, there's one in the, um, the second time I walked, uh, I walked from from um, that was the time I walked from Pamplona to um, to, um, uh, to to Santiago, and it was part of a bigger thing. I had uh, I had two months long service leave then, and I had I had um, a week in Lebanon um, where uh, I caught up with my Lebanese ancestors. I'm Lebanese on my mother's side and Irish on my father's side. Right. So. Yeah, so that's where I uh, had that week in in, in, in Lebanon, which which was magic. And, and uh, <laughs> this is not the place to talk about that now, but uh, that that helped me to discover a little bit of who I am in mm. terms of my my um, Lebanese ancestry. And I, I had a bit over a, a week there, and then I flew to um, flew to from there to Paris. And I was born on the Feast of Our Lady of Lourdes, the 11th of February. And um, I had been to Lourdes a couple of times before, just short trips, and and, um, and, and decided to incorporate that into the into the. Um, uh, and it was also it was also the 150th anniversary of the apparitions, right. so, uh, 2008, and so that was uh, a nice time to to go there. And I was only going to stay there one night, actually. <laughs> But our lady must have been very happy about that because I was stricken with the flu oh. and ended up being, being there for a bit over, uh, bit over had to stay there for a bit over a week, and it meant then that I had to change my plans a little. But I was originally going to start start at um, at um, Saint Jean Pied de Port at the bottom of the uh, Pyrenees, which is where many people uh, uh, begin the the journey and then 
<laughs> really, they have the hardest walk first up there over the, the yeah. mountains. And I wonder with hindsight, with the Lord might have been protecting me from that because <laughs> as it turned out, I had to change my plans and start from um, Pamplona. But even then, I probably started, probably started, a, you know, a day too early. I still wasn't quite over the flu. And there was a really tough climb at the beginning. And, and, and uh, uh, I remember getting up the top. There's a, there's a place, uh, oh, I forget what it's called now, but it's the Hill of Pardon, I think they talk, yeah. walking up there. Yeah. And, and up the top, there's all these uh, the sculptures. Uh, different sculptures up the yeah, top. Yeah. So I remember meeting a, a nice English fellow there, and, and uh, he was telling me how far he was going to go that day. And I said, oh, I think I'll go a bit further than that. And, um, you know, he went his way a bit ahead of me and, and uh, on and going down, I found it really hard going. It was really hot and unseasonably hot. Mm. And, and um, it turns out I was really dehydrated and and, uh, and uh, I didn't think I was <laughs> well, – I, I ended up having to ask someone for a bit of, bit of help. And it turned out I was only about um, a, a fairly short distance from the from – the, uh, this, from from where I was, where I was heading, and uh, anyhow, this um, couple drove me, in and and I go in, and here's my my pommy <laughs> mate inside there. You see, and he had a bit of a laugh at this. So I thought <laughs> you were going to go further than that, and I said, well, I, I did too. But I'm I'm lucky to get here. But I remember lying in bed that night, and and this is a, this is a long way getting to the sto- the point of it, but lying in bed that night, and thinking, gosh. You know, I've got nearly 700 k's ahead of me here. How am I going to, how am I going to manage that? And I realised, Dan, that I, I was really walking in trust all the time. And 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 the next day, I, you know, I think I did about 15 k's or something like that. But the next day, I was over to about the same. And after that, I got back. But but I just felt all the time that I was walking in trust. You know that that. Trust in God, and, and uh, I think that's been an aspect of the whole of my life. I never seen myself as a a world beater and everything like that. I was <laughs> totally overwhelmed about about the thought of becoming a a, a bishop and, and all that. But somehow or other, just knowing that that God's at your side and that the Lord's walk, walking with you is a that that notion I think meant a lot for me. Specifically on the on the pilgrimage, but I think it has for the whole of my life as I look back. Because as I say, I'm not a person that's got a great deal of of confidence, and I don't see myself as being a, a world beater in any way. But just that knowledge that that God was with me, you know, was a great source of comfort, and continues to be so even into my retirement now. Mm. Yeah, great. That's that's wonderful. That the Pat, the book, Joy and Hope, Pilgrim, Priest and Bishop, explores ideas developed throughout your priesthood, a priest for more than 50 years. Mm. And, and you say there that the Camino provided a chance to reflect on that journey too. Yeah. And the book is a series of short reflections. There are letters to a pope, letters to a president. Did you write on the Camino? Yes, I did. There's one uh, specific um, chapter on it, um, which uh, in which I explore the uh, the the, um, the, the, uh, the different stages of it, starting yeah. in it lay on and and, uh, and and um and just all the the unexpected there and the and the, the joy you know the joys of the 
uh, uh, travelling. As I say, I went with my friend Geraldine on that 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 first first time, and uh, uh, that was that was sort of special. At that time, the uh, we we started in uh, in uh, in March, and it was still fairly fairly cold at that time, and 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 uh, there weren't many uh, great number of pilgrims. Never <laughs> that had its advantage, of course. Didn't have the uh, the rush to to get into the the pilgrim refuges, which is sometimes a, a challenge, you know. Yeah. When, when it's more a more popular time, but. Um, um, th- there was always that that um, um, yeah. I, I had Geraldine as a companion on the journey then, but she was not all that, you know, flash with her health at that time either. And, and when I look back on that a little bit, that at times I think I pushed her a little bit hard, you know, in terms of. Um, Having to go so far, but we got we reached a little compromise with that after a while. And um, if the going was a bit tough, she'd catch a catch a bus, <laughs> and I'd meet her at the end of the yeah. destination. And then she met up with a lovely uh, Dutch lady, and she was doing it for the eighth time. Oh, wow. <laughs> so so she was quite a good uh, a good uh, help to her and to me. And she was a great linguist as well, so that that helped. The other thing I might say too that. Uh, doing it, uh, I was uh, I, I'd, I'd studied in Rome, so I spoke Italian, you know, not brilliantly either, but well enough to, to uh, do my studies and everything. And I foolishly thought that if I spoke, if I spoke Italian and they spoke Spanish, we'd understand each other. <laughs> I realised it didn't work out that way. So when I did it again in 2008, I did a little course in Spanish before I went over, and, and uh, not that I was very brilliant in that, but, but it meant that I, I, uh, you know, uh, was able to ask basic, basic questions and, and understand a little bit of what's being said. Now I forget what the question you asked me at the beginning. Oh, now, no, no, uh, no. I just when I just wondered if you, when I said did you write on the Camino, I, I, I think you you took it as meaning did you write about the Camino. I meant did you write while you were walking? Did you pull up each night and and sort of jot down ideas? Yes, or? I did. Yeah. I did just write a few things down, but not not a lot, yeah. not a lot. Um, but I did try to do that because uh, uh, that, that otherwise things would have faded. I don't know where those notes are and think now, so that's why <laughs> I was pleased I've uh, I've written that book. But I think I did. Little diary each, each time, yeah. just uh, at night, and that was a bit of a discipline doing that too, because yeah. um, otherwise you, you'd, you'd you'd blur the details as you as you went along. But uh, yeah. yeah, no, I did that. I, yeah. I walked with some uh, with people, and they would say to me, um, you know, they'd be sitting on a park bench or under the tree in the Albergue Garden, and they would say. Oh, Dan, I can't talk. I've got to catch up the last six days of my journal. Oh, and, yeah, that's hard. <laughs> and I would think, oh, that's not the way you do it. But, you know, no, each to no. their own. You know, yeah. I, just when you, you walked and had a chance to reflect on your journey, you've been a, lying, a long-time campaigner for social justice. And I, if I was to ask you to explain what social justice is, what would you say? Well, I suppose in Aussie terms, it's <laughs> a fair go for everyone, yeah. and uh, and um, I think that that's 
that's one of the things I learned from my father. Uh, I can say that at times I had a, a difficult relationship with my father. Uh, we were both hotheads and, and, and uh, yeah, so, and sometimes I think he was at times a little bit overambitious for me and everything too. Not that that had anything to do with my uh, vocation to the priesthood, but, um, uh, yeah, but th- that, was, um, that was part of it. But uh, when, when I realised on reflection, I remember I was doing an interview one time on local radio in Canberra, ABC, and, and uh, uh, I'd often spoken about my mother with the unconditional love of God that I learned from, from my mother. And, and as I say, at times having had a, a, a sometimes a, a, a rather, rather tumultuous relationship with Dad, yet I always knew, you know, we loved each other. But yeah. but, but Dad Dad had that sense of justice. And, and I grew up in Queanbeyan in, in the um, post-World uh, War uh, two days, and, and we had that big influence of what we affectionately called the New Australians in those days. And and Dad was really, really good to them, helping them to find their way through, you know, life in the in in in, uh, in a new country and a new culture. And and, uh, and 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 Dad too was always, you know, he was always ready to stand up for the underdog. And uh, I think I, I learnt a lot. Um, yeah, from from dad with that, and uh, I, I think too the whole notion of social justice in, in terms of not only you know I've probably come into a greater appreciation of this now, not just hel- helping out people individually, but looking at those structures within our society that that that, that often cause people to be uh, uh, you know locked into a whole generational cycle of poverty. Now, I wouldn't have seen it in those terms early, but I'm really becoming more and more conscious of that. And, and um, I've got to say that uh, um, I've always been a bit political in the, in the sense of not being party political, but, but seeing the, the importance of being an influence on the as much as you can, and, and I've had some opportunities to do that as a bishop, um, on the whole... Uh, <clears throat> Uh, political system to, to, to see that uh, that happens because I just feel that many politics, I say just about every person that goes into politics goes in with with with, with idealistic notions of, of um, trying to make the world a better place. But sadly, I think with the whole party political system that they're at times locked into a into into that into the party mould, and uh, and I often compare that with with what I experienced as, as a bishop, particularly, uh, and, and and I think people that know my history know that I've you know was in in strife with the Vatican for for a lot of the times too, because some of the, some of the stances that, that that I took, and I think I understand what the politicians are about in terms of having to to adhere to the party line all the time. And, and and I think that that's one of the things I I hope that I, you know, achieved as a bishop to to, um, be, to always remain in communion with the church, but to do so in a way that um, would would help all people, help, you know, knowing myself that I'm full of imperfections, but to know that the church is a body 
you know, has those imperfections too. And I think it's only when we recognise that that um, we can really uh, be true to what our mission is all about. And I think social justice, I think, incorporates a lot of that too, just seeing that how true are we to, to what Jesus is all about in, in the sense that Jesus didn't have favourites, but he was there, you know, standing up and in a very special way standing up for those who were, who were doing it tough. Yeah. yeah. A priest with more than 50 years' experience must have seen extraordinary change, um, not just change in culture, but a change in the church, uh, even in attitudes to things like sin. Uh, I wonder how you as a priest and a leader dealt with change. You must have had to challenge yourself as well as your beliefs. Well, I think that, that that's that's constantly the case. That, yeah. Um, um, I often uh, often quote um, um, Cardinal Cardinal Newman when he says that to live is to change, and to be perfect is to have changed often. So I think we've got to be able over and over again to to um, um, to, to, to rediscover what. God is asking from us in, in, in a particular situation. I'm sure that with all that's going on with the uh, coronavirus at the moment, I mean, that's what's being asked of us as as a society. And, I mean, that's what I've been challenged to do as a priest too. And I look back at times, oh, to, to, uh, at times feeling uncomfortable when I maybe doing visitation and, 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 and people of um, in what we would call irregular marriages, you know, that, and, yeah. and that sort of thing. But the older I get, Dan, the less concerned I am about all of that. Mm. I just feel that the important thing is that we be true to, to um, what God is asking of us in that, in the, that particular situation. And, and, and uh, I think I've tried to uh, live up to that myself, not trying to, give myself an easy life in many ways yeah. it would have been easier just to go along with the with the flow yeah sure but uh, but, but um uh, I, I just felt by being true to myself that um you know i just feel that i can st- sleep straight in bed at night because i think to be true to yourself is to be true to god and in that way i think just to help others to uh, to do the same and 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 i think a lot of people um I just got a phone call today, as a matter of fact, from someone who uh, who said that, you know, I've, it was a long time ago since I've last spoken to her, but she just wanted to ring up and 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 we've still got to have the conversation later on today. But but things in life that she needs to to, to um, sort out, and and, and uh, uh, I, I think that if as a priest. You're coming across of having all the answers and their pat answers. Um, that doesn't never washes with me. And uh, I think I the people that I admire most are the people who are strugglers and who are searchers. And um, and I met those are the sort of people that I walked along with, you know, in yeah. the uh, in the Camino mm. in all different different ways. But. Uh, uh, and, and some of them I don't think would have seen it in in those particular terms. But uh, I found them all very attractive people in one way or another because I think they were that uh, strugglers and searchers. Yeah. 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 The, the book is called Joy and Hope. Uh, 
pilgrim, priest and bishop. Why joy and hope? Well, the, 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 one of the uh, things that's been a defining part of my life as a priest has been the Second Vatican Council. And that went from 1962 to 1965, which were the, the years that my last years in the seminary when, when, um, um, when, when I was studying for the priesthood. And um, so all this wonderful stuff was coming out from, from the Vatican Council. And I want to say that a lot of that that I wasn't really absorbing all that much at the time and then later on, the decrees came out, and we were encouraged to um, to study them further, and and, and so on. And uh, as that uh, went along, I became more and more uh, convinced that that um, we needed to we needed to, uh, um, to take on board the, the wonderful opportunities that uh, the Vatican Council gave us. And one of the um, decrees that um, I was most taken with was the pastoral constitution on the church in the modern world. Mm. And that begins by saying the joys and the hopes, the griefs and the anxieties of the people of this age, particularly those who are in any way poor or afflicted, these too must be the joys and the hopes of all the followers of Christ. And um, that's that's something that... Uh, uh, and that's why I, I took that as the title of the book, uh, Joy and Hope. Uh, yeah. And um, and I think uh, our wonderful Pope Francis, I think, has discovered a lot of that because one of my disappointments in the aftermath of the uh, Second Vatican Council, so in my early years as a priest, they were times of, well, great excitement and hope. But they were also times, I think, when... There was a lot of um, questioning, a lot of um, people walking away from the church. I think sometimes out of disappointment, the fact that we it hasn't hadn't li- lived up to um, uh, what some of those hopes were, and uh, and just on a personal level, in my ordination class, there were 26 of us <clears throat> ordained to the priesthood in 1965, and half of those um, have left the priesthood the act of ministry and, 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 and most of them have married and um, and I think that that caused a lot of um, you know, heartache yeah. to, to us all to me included uh, and um, and also too the other significant thing was 1968 when uh, when, uh, when, when the uh, the famous encyclical on birth control called humane vitae uh, was put out, and um, that really, I think, was really condemning any forms of artificial birth control. And uh, oh, as a young priest, I yeah walked with a lot of people struggling with that, people coming to confession and worrying about it and so on. And I've got to say that I always took an understanding attitude with all that and just said, look, God doesn't expect any more of us than we're able to to uh, to live up to yeah. and uh, and it was interesting if I'm giving a long winded answer to all no, this. No, not but, at all. But, no, but but they'd um, say the reason why that the Pope Paul put out that encyclical um, was well 
Well, go back another step. There were two things that were excluded from discussion at the, uh, at the, at the Second Vatican Council. The question of compulsory celibacy for the, for the clergy and the, the question of birth control. So we'll just go to the birth control thing first. So Pope, Pope uh, Paul VI, whom I have a, a great love for, I might add, um, he, he uh, put out a, set up a commission to uh, examine the whole thing. And, and, and uh, the, uh, the majority report of the commission suggested a change of, of, of teaching on the church's behalf. But the reason why Pope Paul didn't accept that was because in 1930 there was a document called Cassidy Canubii that was put out and, and that you know, condemned, condemned artificial forms of, of contraception. And Pope Paul's worry was that if, if in 1968 uh, what was taught in 1930 was changed, uh, it would damage the, the, um, uh, the credibility of the church. And, and that's why he chose the minority report and, and stuck to the, uh, the, the traditional teaching. Well, I'd say um, it had the exact opposite effect because I think in many ways the, the, the church's teaching authority was seriously undermined when it wasn't accepted by all God's people. And, and uh, I think we're still struggling with that. There are other issues around authority. Of course, in those times, there was the, the Vietnam War and, and, and all the uh, protests against that and, and the way that um, you know, civil authorities then you know, it put us on the wrong uh, track with a lot of that as well. So uh, um, that's uh, that's you know part of um, part of um, part of my one of the things I think that I've I've tried to take a step back a little bit yeah. from, from from hard from a hardline attitude because I don't I don't think that was the the, the way that Jesus went about things. I mean, Jesus was, <laughs> was compassionate to people in their struggles. Yeah. The other thing too, and I won't go on too much about that now, is, is the, the whole thing of the church's teaching on sexuality, that um, so right. often it was all very much in, in negative terms rather than seeing um, our sexuality as being uh, integral to who we are and also, too, of course, in terms of, of marriage and, and, and so on, and very much uh, part of um, that beautiful image of, of Christ of the church. And um, so um, I think that, um, and of course, I think that's coming back to bite us now, too, particularly with all the scandals around, uh, around uh, the, the uh, sexual abuse within the church. Yeah. I think the fact that we've had such a negative attitude towards sexuality and then it turns out that, that so many haven't been able to, uh, um, you know, have been quite aberrant in, 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 in the way that that's all been uh, practised. So uh, yeah. I think I think we're still struggling uh, very much with, so. with all of that. Yeah, very much uh, so. Uh, and I think that, um, you know, everything... Well, certainly in my childhood, none of that anything was ever challenged. Um, yeah. It was, and it, and now that it is being challenged, yeah. it, it's 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 leaving the church exposed, and it looks yeah. it looks geriatric, it looks slow, it looks maudlin, mm. it looks ridiculous in many ways. It, indeed, it, it's part of my next question, 
Father Pat, I've said here on the podcast before um, that I've sort of drifted away from the church, but in doing so, I've probably moved closer to Christ's yeah, teachings, exactly. which is yeah. about love. Yeah. So, so what can a humble priest, a, a pilgrim, teach us about love? <clears throat> well, I think the be- to, to the best we can do, I think is is um, I think just first of all listening to people. Uh, helping them to, to, and you know, walking with them in their, in their, um, in their struggles. Yeah. Um, and and you know, I, I think at times we can not chastise people. I don't mean that, but but you know, suggest to people that that might be, you know, better ways of of, of, uh, of, of, of approaching life. But the, the the thing that I always go back to with people though is that. That God will never abandon us, that, 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 and, and there's little bits in the scriptures about that too. You know that we might abandon God, but God never, never abandons us. And, and uh, when I became bishop in hmm. 1986, I chose as my motto, "God is love," which is a little part from the first letter of St John, and. Uh, that's really talking about God's unconditional love for us, and I think when we're we're presenting the gospel in a way that's you know a whole lot of do's and don'ts, and and that I don't think that that's that's it's certainly not going to attract young people, but I I think older people too can can uh, you know be be very much disillusioned by that, yeah. and I think it's I, I you know I think it's uh, it's love that, that's going to to to, uh, to find a way, yeah. and, and uh, uh, but it, it just depends with what this, where, what people's circumstances are, and and, and uh, but I think that whole notion of coming back to the pilgrimage again, um, I found on the, the the pilgrimage that the first time I had Geraldine as my companion, but you you meet a lot of other people on the way too. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the second time, the, the people that you meet. Um, by chance, and they they come in out, mm. come in and out of your trip on the on the on the journey and everything. But uh, I, still, at times something will happen, and I'll, I'll think think back on the on the lovely interaction that we had, and and uh, and I think as a priest uh, and and as a and as a bishop too, for that matter, I think we've we've really got to listen to people and 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 uh, and, and be prepared to to learn from there. Experiences and, and um, uh, I, I can say too, of course, uh, not so much related to the pilgrimage, but partly too. That I think we've really got to. We, uh, we, we've been very much an all male church uh, in the Catholic Church, and I think it's only when we see the genius of, of women and, and all that they've got to offer that we're really going to be fully. You know, fully what God wants us to be. To be, and uh, uh, again, if we just see the the part that Mary played too in the whole of the the plan of salvation, that her part was not insignificant either. As well as, of course, the the great biblical women of the Old Testament too. That um, and, and and nowadays, I think when we've you know got female pro- presidents and prime ministers and all the rest of it, I think that we, we've got to just learn that that's. That's very much part of the way that God's calling us, yeah. and I think that's 
that's that's part two, I think, of what we talk about, reading the signs of the times. I mean, that was one of the things that very much came out of the Second Vatican Council as well. To, so not to see the churches as having the whole answer to every one of the world's problems, but uh, to see the way in which I think we've got to be a, a, a learning church uh, as well as a teaching church. I remember one time at one of our bishops' conferences, um, one of the bishops that never had too much to say was... was um, um, and some had a lot more to say than others, I might add, but this man never had a lot to say. But no. he, he, and there'd often be a lot of, um, a lot of uh, you know, people getting up talking about you know, the teaching of the church and the teaching of the church. And this bishop got up and, and quoted a, uh, one of the, a religious sister and she said, we can't talk about teaching if nobody is learning <laughs> and uh, that's always stuck in my mind, you know, that uh, we can be giving it out all the time, but we we need to be prepared to learn. And I yeah. think we've got a lot to learn from uh, good women like the one that yeah. that, uh, that that imparted that wisdom to that particular bishop. <laughs> yeah, yeah, what a great uh, line. You, you, uh, you, you mentioned earlier, well, two things. Firstly, in just that last answer, you talked about unconditional love. And you mentioned earlier your mother, and you write about your mother in Joy and Hope, Pilgrim, mm. Priest and Bishop, and you mentioned earlier that she was Lebanese, of, of Lebanese descent. They're great lovers. They're great lovers well, of, of family, aren't they? Family and their children are, is very, are. very and, and important uh, to them. You yeah. must have had a great deal of love in the home with, in terms well, of your mum. Yeah, uh, we, we did. And, and mum, mum was, uh, uh, her parents came out here to Australia. Her mother was... Her mother was uh, my, my grandmother, whom I didn't know, didn't know other of my grandparents, although I, did, or I didn't know a great grandmother. But but um, she uh, um, she was she was younger than than her husband, and and uh, about ten years younger, I think. And uh, and I think it was probably an arranged marriage. And uh, and they got married in Australia, uh, and and uh, made their way down to Cooma, as many. Uh, yeah. Lebanese people do. And, That's right, and, uh, yeah. And mum and dad met in Cooma, and uh, I was born in Cooma, as it turned out, but right. then I was only a few months old when when we left there. But, uh, um, yeah, so that, that Lebanese part has been uh, a significant part of my life. But I must say that's where the um, 2008 trip to, to Lebanon, even though I was only over there for, for um, a bit over a week, I was put in touch with a... It turns out to be my second cousin. His um, grandfather and, and my grandfather uh, came out to Australia together. Um, his grandfather went back and mine stayed. And, uh, right. Yeah, so, yeah, so the, 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 uh, and I must say that I, growing up I, I really wasn't, as a youngster, really was, you know, I regarded myself as Australian rightly, but never really reflected too much on uh, on on uh, on on my Irish and Lebanese ancestry but uh, but um, I think I was about 30 when that sort of came to me and and, uh, and I've I've treasured it more and more since and matter of fact I'm I'm having, having a little um, break with my sister at the moment and and uh, I've, I've brought up a book that that's uh, just on the whole of the, the, the Lebanese culture so that I can 
you know, deepen myself into it a little bit more. But uh, yeah, so that was that was quite special to me. And I often often talk about the Lebanese. Um, I remember one time I, I gave it a talk, and I said that if I was asked to asked about one particular characteristic of them, I would say hospitality. Yeah. And uh, and I experienced that in uh, in abundance on that uh, on that trip to. Uh, the Beirut, but um, and we had a bit of a uh, this lovely cousin took <laughs> gave me a week of his life and drove me around to the different parts of everything, and uh, so that that was uh, that was very uh, yeah. very special to me. But um, the, the the yeah, so that 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 sort of love was 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 there all the time. And as I say, even from the, with my father, that um, the Irish side of it, that Dad was. Um, and a, a different um, Christian tradition there, but um, um, and, and I got a little bit of an insight into some of the Celtic spirituality when I was over there as well. And, and uh, so all, all those things are what uh, what forms you. But I, I've got I've got to say that I'm not a <clears throat> not a great scholar, and I probably haven't examined those things as deeply as I might. But uh, They've certainly become part of my psyche, anyhow, and, and uh, mm. something that I'm always happy to to share with people, and and uh, uh, and and I hope to, to live by. Yeah, yeah. Let's take a step back onto the Camino for a moment. Do you, did you do much praying? I did, in a way. Uh, certainly, the the second time with Geraldine, when Geraldine and I were there, we we, we used to say the Rosary together each day and in those days the, the churches weren't weren't open mm. not many of them were open so often these pilgrim masses are can be a big part of it well a lot of the churches were closed at that time because of the season that we're in but um, I'd always find <laughs> find a little corner somewhere and, and we'd have just have a little mass together and and uh, yeah so so um, so and and you you sort of pray informally as you go on. Yeah. Whereas the second time, um, I, I did. I think I did pr- pray probably more reflectively then, as I walked walked along. It was a longer longer trek, of course, and I'd come from Lebanon and I'd been in Lourdes uh, immediately beforehand. But also having had that experience on that first day, <laughs> when I never thought I was going to. Get, get get into a second day. Um, I think that the prayer then was very much one of, of gratitude, but also too I think asking the Lord to, uh, to to help me to make it. But also it was a nice time to to be able to pray for a lot of the things that were on my heart and for a lot of the people that were special to me. I had a man that um, who's now dead, a fellow called John Stevens. Uh, who was a pharmacist, and, and uh, I think his work as a pharmacist, you know, dealing with people and that all the time. He uh, he'd done the Camino, uh, I think, a year before I did it, and uh, he gave me some some good tips and everything. But one of the things he said he 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 tried to do while he was on the Camino to pray for every person that he could remember. And uh, now I I did methodically try to do that, and I think it was only after I did it anyhow that he told me that. But but I, I spent a lot of time on the Camino, just um, bringing to my to my consciousness, you know, people that were special to me, and and just reflecting on their on their 
you know, on their pilgrimage of life and and uh, and, and and praying for them and about them and uh, and of course the people you meet too. Not that you get into any deep relationships on the on the Camino, but uh, yeah, the, the, some of the little conversations we had along the way there too to to bring to prayer. You know, some of those uh, conversations we had. So. It, overall, it was quite a prayerful time for me. I, I, I've got to say too, Dan, that being a, a bishop and priest and all that, I don't regard myself as being a great prayer in the sense that I'm not not probably as, um, you know, I hear of other people with, you know, with contemplative experiences and, 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 and uh, all that. I've, that hasn't been my experience, I've got to say. And at times I've... I mean, I've always been faithful to the office and to, and to mass and, and 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 so on. But at times, I probably haven't prayed as much as I should, and and uh, and I've learnt a lot from very prayerful people that you know have come in and out of my life. So yeah, yeah. Did you tell many other pilgrims you were a priest? Uh, 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 the, no, I, I I never volunteered that. Right, but but of course especially on the second time when I was more or less walking on my own, it wasn't long before it comes up in conversation, you see. And uh, so I never broadcast it, but uh, it was something that came up and, and, and people, I think people were you know, fascinated by that. And and, and, uh, and I, th- I say in the book that at times that um, uh, on the second trip that I became um, – at times, a bit of a, a father confessor to the yeah. some of the younger uh, yeah. films, but most of the times it was a question of them looking after the old man that, <laughs> that needed a bit of help. And so there was a beautiful, there was a beautiful uh, mutuality about it. Yeah. I don't recall us getting into any getting into any great um, you know theological conversations or anything. But there's often a fascination with people to to see. You know, a, a priest, and especially a bishop, who's who's uh, plodding along with them like that. I think that, uh, and I was, and that's really been part of who I've been anyhow all along. So there was no, nothing uh, special about that for me. But uh, it was a nice uh, relationship to have with, with them. All right. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember walking in 2016 with a Polish priest, and he had with him four young men who were walking the Camino before they entered the seminary. And um, we, we called them collectively Peter and the Poles. And, <laughs> and, and it was just lovely to have Peter around. Yeah. Uh, yeah. In, in our, it was lovely to think that he was there um, if yeah. you needed someone to speak to. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah. and he was very kind and generous, but also uh, a very gentle human being um and, yeah. I, and i think uh, i think that a priest on a pilgrimage um is someone trying to find answers and perhaps like somebody like yourself trying to make sense of this this journey that you've been on what can christians today learn from pilgrims of the past well i suppose you know that the whole that whole question of of, of hardship and that I think sometimes we can, we can, we can be, get a little bit soft. Not that I'd preach this so much, but but I think we can learn so much from the uh, from those 
pilgrimages of the past. And of course, if you remember, <laughs> many of them were doing it as a punishment, weren't they? For, yeah, for, um, yeah, yeah. It was it was almost part of um, um, took a bit off their jail time or whatever it was. So I think we can uh, that 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 to my mind is is something too. But I think the the hardship for it and, and sticking at it too. I I worry, I worry a little bit. I never, I've never, I've never uh, condemned a of the uh, younger generation. But sometimes I, I think that you know everything's got to be handed to you on a plate, you know. And I think yeah. somehow we can learn from the yeah. from the pilgrims that the way in which they um, got up every day and. and Started off again, and, and uh, I say in my book, you know, that at times you'd be really buggered at the end of the day, mm. and, and but somehow or other, get a good night's sleep and ready for another another go at it. And and um, I think that's that's uh, that's something I think we can all, uh, you know, we can all try and uh, emulate. Um, not always easily, but um, when I that was certainly a lesson that came home to me all the time and 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 uh, I think that you know people do it for all sorts of different reasons of course but in in terms of people doing it with a a Christian motivation I think that um that's that can be very much part of it and, and something I think that I've been able to to look back on since I've I've done it that uh, to know that well, even even when things look to be impossible, I'm, I keep talking about that first day of, of my second pilgrimage, when uh, I just didn't know whether I was ever going <laughs> to get past that first day lying in bed that night. And yet, somehow or other, with God's grace and the strength of others and and and, uh, uh, and your own resources, that you can do it. And uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I I thoroughly enjoyed talking to you. You know, you've campaigned for social justice. You've been outspoken. You've been a trailblazer and a visionary in many respects. But I suppose more than anything, you've been a leader, a shepherd and a pilgrim. Mm. So thank you for taking time to talk to us today, for sharing your story and your vision. I hope you can walk on for many, many years to come. Thanks, Father Pat. Buen Camino. Thank you. Buen Camino. Thanks, Dan. And I hope I can hear some of the other stories that you've collected too. It's been lovely to talk to you. All the best. God bless you, Dan. My guest this week, Bishop Pat Power, author of Joy and Hope, Pilgrim, Priest and Bishop. And you can find Father Pat's book online where all good books are sold. It's called Joy and Hope, Pilgrim, Priest and Bishop. Pope Francis said in 2016, Pilgrimage is a symbol of life. It makes us think of life as walking, as a path. If a person does not walk but instead stays still... This is not useful. It accomplishes nothing. Think of water. When water is not in the river, it does not course, but instead remains still and stagnates. Well, a soul that does not walk in life, doing good, doing many things that one must do for society, to assist others, or who does not walk through life, seeking God and inspiration from the Holy Spirit, is a soul that finishes in mediocrity and in spiritual poverty. Please do not stand still in life. Father Pat Power is not about standing still. Thanks for your company this week and every week. If you're inclined to sponsor me, you can go to danmullinsmusic.com and follow the prompts, danmullinsmusic.com. I have the best job in the world. Until next week, I'm Dan Mullins. Buen Camino. Somewhere.